0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free.
1: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
2: Hey. Hi. How was work?
3: Uh, exhausting, but fine. I think Gina finally admitted that we need to hire another person for the team, so that's good. Let's just hope it happens sooner rather than later. How was your day? Oh, it was okay. I got some writing done, but I'm still stuck on that one plot thing. Oh, what do you want for dinner? Not sure. Oh, not pizza. We ordered in for lunch. Is Aaliyah doing something in the car? What? Aaliyah,
4: she didn't follow you in. I thought you were picking her up. Um, no, you said you were picking her up this morning. Uh,
3: You definitely said you were picking her up. No, I didn't! You did! I am 100% sure. Okay, let's look at the transcript. How about we just pick up our daughter instead? See here, it says that... Oh, shoot! Oh, I have had this exact argument myself. With my husband man, you said you were going to figure out what's for dinner. I don't think so. That was yesterday. Play the tape. I'm Anoush Samarodi, your guide to this accelerating world. And note to self, checking the transcript might sound appealing, but it can reveal more than you think. The objects around us are paying close attention to what we say. Siri, Alexa, the Echo, Google Home. They're like little electronic ears waiting for the magic words that wake them up. We made this episode a little more than a year ago, and we mentioned the possibility that recordings from one of these devices could be used in a criminal case, which is exactly what has happened since. Prosecutors asked for the recordings from the Alexa of an Arkansas murder suspect, and after the suspect gave the okay, Amazon handed them over. We also talk about the role of recordings in what was then something of an anomaly, a high-powered man getting into trouble for sexually harassing a woman at his company. Then it was Gretchen Carlson, who recorded her boss, Roger Ailes, for more than a year. Since this episode aired, we've learned that a tape could not take down Harvey Weinstein. One woman worked with police to record Weinstein in 2015, who admitted to groping her on the recording— But he dodged criminal charges, and it was more than two years later that he finally got his comeuppance. The point being, a transcribed life, it can have benefits. But it's not a cure-all. Here's the show. This week, we are joined by Rose Eveleth. She's the host of Flash Forward, great podcast about what it might be like to live in the future and actually why the future is often way, way closer than you think it might be. Today, we're going to talk about a future where every conversation is transcribed. Everything you say is written down. It is searchable. It is recorded. And Rose, I mean, why would any ordinary person even want this?
0: Well, first, you could win arguments. That's useful. Yes, you that we established. <laughs> yeah, you can also capture the funny things your kids say, right? That's like a nice little thing. But there are Makes other sense. companies that are working on this for things like speech recognition to be able to open up your phone, open your bank account as a biometric security thing, or if you're at a doctor's appointment and you have a conversation with your doctor, and then afterwards, instead of having the doctor go and write down everything they said, it just auto-populates your medical records. So it seems like sort of this sci-fi future that may never happen. And there are all these companies that are trying to develop speech recognition. So basically Uh you could unlock your phone with your voice or unlock your bank account with your voice. And as soon as they can solve the problems that are required to make that work, the next step to transcription is actually really, really easy. All of those problems that are solved for speech recognition would allow us to have this future.
3: I mean, in some ways the future is already here in that Siri- uh, is listening for, you know, instructions and Amazon's Echo thing that, you know, you can say out loud, Alexa, turn on Radiolab and it'll start playing it. So it's it, they are listening all the time in some ways. So that means that there's privacy implications there and that it's a very small step from listening all the time to recording, transcribing and keeping. Exactly. So we actually did test out what would happen if someone's life was taped and put on the record. I did. And some intense things occurred. Yeah. Some very boring things. A lot of boring things. (laughs) But also a crazy moment, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for now, uh, we are ready to go back to the future with you, Rose. Excellent.
0: So we're going to start in California um, with someone who is actually already using speech-to-text systems in her daily life all the time.
4: Um, My name is Heather Radcliffe, and I work in the cannabis industry, but more importantly, I'm disabled. I have a disease called Ehlers-Danlos disease, which is a collagen disorder, and it causes my joints to dislocate really easily. So I end up using voice-to-text very often uh, because my fingers will dislocate.
0: Heather is pretty nonchalant about this. When I first asked her about it, I asked the dumb question, does that hurt? And she said, yes, a lot. It is very painful when her fingers dislocate. So Heather uses speech-to-text in a couple of different ways. She'll use it when her fingers or wrists have dislocated because she can't type. But she also likes to tape interactions that she has to have a record of them.
4: I'll do that pretty often if I'm going to the doctor's office, if I'm seeing a specialist. Uh, I've used it at work before if I'm having a disagreement with a boss. Uh, One of the things that happens with Ehlers-Danlos disease is you get something called brain fog. All of the things that happen in my body in the background don't actually regulate properly, like the body temperature uh, or my blood pressure. And so what ends up happening is the blood pools in my feet instead of going to my brain. And so I have serious memory issues. And so the ability to record the things that I'm going through in my day is really integral to me because I don't always remember conversations that I've had because I have memory issues.
0: So you can kind of see why she would want something like this. In Heather's ideal world, she would just carry her phone around with her all the time and record everything. But she can't do that for a couple of reasons. Her phone's battery just won't last that long. And also, if you've ever used speech-to-text systems like Siri, you kind of know that they don't always understand exactly what you're saying. And that happens to her all the time.
4: Siri. 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 Please find the note to self. Where can I find the note to self? Note to self. Podcast.
3: Playing album, The Very Best of the Velvet Underground. (laughs) Sorry, Jenna. I didn't get that. Starting FaceTime. No, No!
0: So the systems we have now aren't perfect, but there are lots of people who are trying to make them better, like this guy.
1: Hi, my name is Steve Reynolds, and I'm a professor of speech technology at the University of Edinburgh.
0: Steve says that the error rate for speech-to-text systems today hovers around
1: 7%. For some people, the error rate will be sort of down at 2 3%. For other people, it will be much higher. And this is even beyond just accent. There are just some people who are just well-matched to speech recognition. You know, so it's a kind of sheep and goats type of thing. A um, sheep and
2: goats I- type of thing?
1: so we think mean? of sheep so sheep are people um who a system recognizes well and goats are people whose systems don't recognize well
0: is that like a is that like a common expression in, in i the think field? colloquially
1: yeah colloquially <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've never heard that before but when it comes to accuracy you don't really want goats you want everybody to be sheep you want the system to be really good at understanding everybody And Steve says there are a couple of things standing in the way of these systems being really, really
1: good. So all of speech recognition basically works using machine learning techniques. And we're just trying to improve the mathematical models and the algorithms we use just to work better. So that's the sort of, you know, part of the really core activity. But then there are other things where issues such as how you can deal with um, overlap. So at the moment, it's a very, I'm in a very nice acoustic environment There's just me and there's a microphone very close to me, and there's no competing acoustic sources. But if you're recording your daily life, Uh, then you're going in a metro, um, you're on a bus, you're walking down the street. There's many, many acoustic sources. Some of them are other people talking, talking to you, other conversations around you, um, just kind of street noise and just stuff happening. And being able to deal with all that, being able to kind of robustly transcribe things in the presence of all these other sounds is really challenging.
0: Okay, so how long will getting all of that stuff figured out actually take?
1: This is a question you should never ask people in AI because they always say five years, and they've been saying that <laughs> since, since the late 1950s, and it's always a pretty good guess. So the future is always very difficult to predict.
0: <laughs> you very well avoided giving me a, a number there. That was good.
1: <laughs> I, I, I gave you a number at the start. I said five years. <laughs> five years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's say instead of instead of um, trying to guess how long it'll take, what about like in 10 years from now – What does it look like?
1: Um, So in 10 years' time, I think we will certainly have routinely very good speech recognition on all our devices. And I think we will get systems that can actually start to deal with speech with multiple talkers and multiple acoustic sources and so on.
3: When we come back, we'll put the transcribed life to a real test. We'll talk about some of the pitfalls of this technology and how horrible some people can be, even when they know they're being recorded.
4: So this is a strange question, but I'm doing something for a podcast where I'm recording my whole day. Do you mind if I record?
3: We're back. You're listening to Note to Self. I'm Manoush Zomorodi, and we have a guest, host, reporter, producer, all-around awesome science technology person, Rose Eveleth. She is the host of Flash Forward, a great podcast that you should check out, and she's here this week. And, Rose, okay, so as I was getting ready to hear about the transcribed life, which is what we're talking about, there's this (laughs) this great, crazy stat. It is estimated that we spend 40% of our waking lives talking I would like to add though that if you are my nine-year-old son, yes, Kai, I'm talking to you, it's more like 95% of all your waking hours talking. That's a crazy statistic. We are running at the mouth, nonstop. Yeah, I work from
0: home by myself. <laughs> Does talking to your dog count as talking? Yeah,
3: dude. That counts. And yeah. It's like
0: human to animal talking. Yes. All right, then probably like 95% for me.
3: Definitely. And so if you were talking so much, that sounds like a lot to be sucked up into this transcription world that you are delving into. Where are we going now?
0: We're going to do the big picture. And we're going to go back to Steve, the professor of speech technology. And he says that living this transcribed life would be like being on the witness stand, but your whole life.
1: Ooh. Yeah. For me, that would be kind of one of the potential dystopias where you have to be really careful every every sentence you say. I can kind of live with it at, at work to some degree, but I wouldn't want it in my personal life. I don't think any of us would, right?
0: I go back and forth because I one of the things that I, I had not thought of this, a friend of mine actually when I was talking to her about this said this. She was saying that because um, – Often women get told, don't say this, say this, don't talk like that, talk like this, don't apologize so much. And she was saying, oh, I could go through my transcript and, like, see how often I'm saying those things and try to kind of be better about it. And that sounds like my worst nightmare to have to, like, go back and read through all of the verbal tics that I've developed to, like, stop doing them for some reason because it makes other people happier.
1: Yeah, don't. But but, but, but (laughs) the flip side of it. The flip side of it is there is a lot of, uh, particularly based around gender, actually, there's a a lot of misperceptions about how women talk differently to men. And if you had this kind of large-scale transcription, then you could actually do the statistics to see if it's true so you can find out who kind of interrupts more and so on and so on and so on. But, you know, I would hate to see this as being viewed as a kind of somehow a self-improvement thing. This this isn't my future. (laughs)
0: And that actually brings me to someone else who has spent a lot of time thinking about what this future
2: life would be like. I'm trying to imagine what the, like, metadata around the um, transcripts looks like. Sarah Watson is a tech critic and
0: research fellow at the Tao Center for Digital
2: Journalism. Is there a way to algorithmically detect sarcasm? Is there a recording of the laughter, like in parentheses laughing? Do you know who was laughing, right? Like all of these things could really color the conversation. And if all we have is the transcript and not necessarily the audio, how would that be useful information?
0: And going back to the sheep and goats thing that Steve mentioned, some people are going to be better understood by these systems than others.
2: I think about different accents or, like, patois or just, like, what does on fleek look like or the future, whatever version of that is, and how does that get translated? And is there a way to capture those trending verbal expressions quickly? How much cultural appropriation or, like, meme worthiness would come out of these transcripts that wouldn't necessarily be surfaced otherwise?
0: But my big question for Sarah is whether or not keeping these kinds of records is going to change
2: the way that we talk to each other. Does it mean that we care exactly how you said it and have an ability to look back and say, well, you said this?
0: And I wonder if that sort of enhances that feeling of like, oh, God, I can't speak because I might say something off the cuff that I don't want to say or don't
2: want recorded. I don't want to be
0: on the record, yeah. So, Manush, we wanted to test whether people really would ask themselves these questions that Sarah and I have been talking about. Yeah, so, there are, and there are a lot of questions. Tons of questions. So we asked Heather Radcliffe, who you heard earlier, to record three whole days of her life so that we could transcribe them and take a closer look.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't believe you got her to do this, but it was really just to see what is it really like when you listen to someone's life that closely and transcribe every last word. I'm glad it wasn't my life.
4: Okay, so hi. I am recording everything that I'm doing for the next few days, and I just got up and I got a breakdown of how to use this crazy, fancy recorder that I have in my hand. It looks like some sort of tech from Star Trek. Honestly, I look like I could zap somebody with this.
0: She recorded all of this stuff, 72 hours of it.
4: Will someone come make the bed for me, question mark? One of the things I'm a little bit worried about in this recording is that there's just gonna be dead air. Just tons and tons of dead air while I sit here and do this.
0: And she was right, there is a lot of dead air. I listened to so much dead air. And driving and typing. Also, a lot of muffled conversations when the recorder was in a bag or nearly drowned out by the car or when her dog peed on it. But there were also important little moments. Moments when she was counseling her sister through a breakup. Deciding what kind of drugs her dog might need. And even talking to her therapist. Probably good for my memory. Oh, kind of dull. But then something more telling happened. Yes,
4: how are you? Good, how are you? Nice to see you again.
0: so, this is a strange
4: question, but I'm doing okay. something for a podcast where I'm recording my whole day. Okay. Do you mind if I record? Oh, okay. okay.
0: She was meeting a potential client when so he in launched into system. a story and started system. using language that Heather was really uncomfortable with.
3: It happens. I was
4: robbed three times, pistol whipped once, and that's where they fractured my skull. And I got some.
3: Hey guys, it's Manouche jumping in here. Um, we were going to play the tape of what this man actually said. We kind of went back and forth on it. But we decided that the language he used was incredibly offensive. So we're not oh, going to. Times. Oh,
0: you're killing me with that word. Sorry. Heather told me about exactly what happened afterwards.
3: He started using, like, words
4: that are not appropriate. And I was acutely uncomfortable. And I had to be like, whoa, I can't. We're recording, like.
0: did You didn't feel like you were glad that you had it on tape, like, as a proof or something?
4: It just ended up making me feel uncomfortable because I couldn't decide if I was being vehement enough in like my my discomforts and speaking up and being like, this is not cool. I'm not okay with this language around me. And so I just was afraid that I was coming off as too meek and timid. I ended up doing a voice diary after the fact. Oh my God, the ways in which I was not expecting the casual use of the N word in that conversation. Oh, that's so stressful. So I hope everyone knows that I really am not okay with that language. I tried to make it clear.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting, though, right? Because, you know, there's the pro and con right there where it's like you have proof that this person said something that was really bad, but there's the flip side of like you having to worry about whether you were like vocal or sort of assertive enough on the record to prove that you were not okay with it. And you're not complicit in this like conversation. Yeah.
4: It was really strange how much I was focused on like my side of things and what people were going to think of when they heard how I was going about my day.
3: <sighs> yeah. Rose. I know. That moment. I mean, there's so many layers to it. Yeah. Like on the one hand, this is a uh, reprehensible. Totally. Ugh. Yeah. And then like to me, I started thinking about this idea that Heather immediately went to what will people think of my reaction, the sort of performative aspect of not being even in the moment does that make sense yeah and she i mean it clearly bothered her a lot because she
0: talked about it not just in that voice diary right after but even in the voice diary before going to bed she talked about it again where she was like you know it's that moment you're laying in bed and you're replaying the conversations yeah. that you had that day and you're like oh my god i said this thing i probably shouldn't have but now there's a record of like, you, you saying it literally
3: yeah. replay the moment yeah yeah and you can't take it back, like, no. in your mind, like, what I would have and li- been like, and I would have said this, and then that would have happened, and that would have made it better. And yeah. you're like, well, nobody knows that that isn't what happened.
0: One of the things she said was that she she felt like she didn't put her foot down hard enough. And then when I listened to it, I sort of thought like, maybe she didn't, you know? Like, she kind of quickly was like, don't say that. And then he was he said, I'm sorry. And she was like, oh, it's okay. And, you know, I was like, well, maybe she could have. What could she have done? And then I started thinking, like, I don't think I would have done any better necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy to question, analyze other people's words without sort of putting yourselves in their shoes in a way that's like empathetic. So it's easy. I can totally imagine, especially with a controversial public figure or somebody who's like a public, you know, even other journalists, if you read someone's transcript and you could say, well, I would have done this and I would have done that and you could do this and you could do that. But in the moment, it's so hard. It feels kind of paralyzing to me. Like if I were to think about, you know, listening to all this tape that Heather had and even not this conversation necessarily, but other conversations that were totally benign, it definitely made me feel that I wouldn't I wouldn't just wanna have this all the time. Because it's so easy for someone to just read something that you say and judge you for it, maybe because they don't know the person that you're talking to, they don't know your inside jokes. Like I can be very sort of sarcastic and I don't think that I'm being mean, but when you read it, it might be like, Wow, that she's really mean. I don't think I'm a mean person, but the transcript might make me look really mean.
3: People are complicated. Yeah. And we all have nuance that get lost. Almost certainly, yeah.
4: So, it's 9.15 now. I'm actually, believe it or not, gonna get to bed. Um, it's so early. I'm such a wuss. Uh, yeah, weird day to do recording and weird, weird conversation to get stuck in at work. Just, like, ah, why do people think they can be racist around other white people? And now I'm, like, not feeling like I put my foot down hard enough. Anyways, that's a weird conversation to have, uh, on a recording. All right. Good night.
0: What do you think, Manoush? If this was a device that you could wear around, which is something that technologists are, in fact, working on, Mm -hmm. would you wear it?
3: I'm conflicted because on the one hand, obviously, I am a documenter of life, right? It's why I became a journalist. It's why I take a million pictures. It's why I try to keep a diary about my kids, like cute things that they say. On the other hand, the idea of a tech company or any company having access or The ability to look at everything that I've ever said, that definitely creeps me out. What about you? Would you?
0: I'm the same way. I am the kind of person who, like, always wants to know everything and always wants to record everything. But at the same time, what is the use that I'm getting out of this? If I have this thing— Do the pros outweigh the cons? And
3: I don't know that they do. But I don't think you're going to get to make a choice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I really do think that Alexa and the Amazon Echo are the most interesting example of how this is just going to seep into everything that we're doing. Like, okay, so I was at my parents' house and there was a Consumer Reports magazine lying around. Yes. And so I picked it up and I was reading um, reviews of all the different types of, you know, the latest thing on Siri and the latest thing that the Amazon Echo has but there was no mention of the privacy implications. Yeah. There was no mention that like who knows the government could maybe subpoena Amazon for the records of everything you've been saying. Like there was no mention in a consumer reports and to me that is a crucial thing that needs to be folded into how we go about rating the efficacy of all these new technologies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the key to getting this to be widely accepted is just making it seem really convenient, right? Yes. And that's how you get facial recognition systems trained by Facebook because you play the little game. Is this your friend, Mike? Yes, oh wow, look, you've trained Facebook to recognize right. faces extremely accurately, right? As soon as these companies make this a convenience play, they make this a game where it's like, did you say this? Clean up the transcript, it'll be fun. And no, one, no one's gonna put a little asterisk at the bottom and say like, by the way, yeah. you know, this is subpoenaable. This is something that could be published outside of your control. You have no idea who's going to read this in the future.
3: But then on the other hand, I don't know. How many times have I had a meeting with my boss where I'm like, oh, wait, what did he say? I got to write it down. Like, uh, you know, he had some really good ideas in there. I should have been taking closer notes. Or if only I, had I just a had that idea and you just took a credit for yes! it. Yes. Oh, that's a good point, too. <laughs> And I would just also say we have a beautiful example of Gretchen Carlson, the Fox News anchor, who, it turns out, recorded her conversations with Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News, for a year and a half. And it looks like those iPhone audio recordings are what finally put the boot into him and got her a $20 million settlement. So pros and cons. Yeah, man. All right. That's tough. I want to put it out there to note to self listeners, pros and cons, pros and cons. I wonder, like, I don't know if you were the victim of a crime or somebody made a promise to you that they didn't keep. Would you think that actually, yeah, transcribed life sounds pretty good? Or if you feel like, ah, I don't (laughs) I don't want to be like I I like being able to make mistakes out loud without facing repercussions for it or being held to all the stupid crap that I say. want to know what you think so email us at note to self at wnyc.org listen to flash forward with rose eveleth rose where can where can they find you
0: Flashforwardpod.com is flash. me yeah. all right awesome
3: and will you come back and do more with us <laughs> of course this is so fun and will you answer people's questions oh totally if they have them yes. okay awesome so cc what who are you on twitter uh rose eveleth okay perfect so many thanks to you rose for being here thanks for having me have a question that isn't about a transcribed life, we want those too. Because we're making an advice show for the new year. Maybe you're trying to spend less time online, but you're worried about FOMO. Or you're craving a big change in how you manage tech at work. Slack is driving you bananas. I've got answers. Email us. At note2self at Wnyc.org. Or you can tweet us or Facebook post thing us, send us snail mail, whatever you want. We we just want your questions. I'll do my very best to answer them. The Note to Self team is Jen Point, Kat Aaron, Megan Cunein, and Joe Plourd. Many thanks to Rose Eveleth for making this episode with us and to Jenna Cagle and Mightley Rao for their help too. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and I'll talk to you next week. You can find the Note to Self podcast at notetoselfradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Nice one. Jenna.